Hello and welcome back to the Fortified Coaching Podcast with me, Joe. Me, Nina. Me, Stephen. And welcome back, everyone. So before we go around, this week's episode is a little bit different. This week, we have a special guest. We are joined by Team GB Olympic weightlifting athlete, Kelly Jo Robson, who's going to be joining us in a moment to share her experiences of training and more specifically, training now that she is pregnant and how that's affected her. So... Before we invite Kelly in, let's just have a little quick go around to see how everyone is. So, Steve, how are you and what have you been up to? Ooh, um, again, probably nothing new, to be fair. Um, still doing home workouts, still watching telly, working from home, from a kitchen table. So getting used to that still, because I'm doing that more. That's more my full-time gig now. Um, yeah, um, what else? A really sore neck at the moment, need to get that fixed. Uh, and this morning, um, on, you know, your year memories on Facebook, it's going to be interesting the next few months or year about your memories. Um, cause I posted a lot of stuff about COVID and my first home workout in the garden was completely intruded by my little girl. And that's so funny to watch it back. Yeah. Um, so that that nothing much. Watch Line of Duty as well. Yeah, very good. Um, looking forward to the next one because I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out. Yeah, best one TV that one. Nina. Um. Yeah. More um, for me, really. I feel like I've given myself an extremely large to do list. Um. Just with the obviously the the gyms reopening. So I'm just trying to be as productive as possible because I haven't got a lot of time at the moment between various things that are going on. Um, so yeah, I'm just working really. And yeah, I feel a little bit more motivated now that the gyms have reopened my home workouts because as much as I was getting them done, it was just out of the fact that I felt like I had to as opposed to wanting to. Now I feel like I'm a little bit more motivated because it's like, right, three weeks. Well, just a little under three weeks. And we're back into a routine. So that's helpful. Awesome. Um, I haven't watched Line of Duty yet, but I will. Um, I feel like I need a little refresher on the last se series because I can't remember how it, what happened. Um, yeah. But I have watched Winter Soldier. That was good. Like that one. Uh, that's about it. Mm. What about you, Joe? Ooh. Same sort of stuff, Line of Duty, Winter Soldier, watched the Schneider Cut of the Justice League, been on some pretty long walks, which is always good. However, I do feel like I really enjoy walks and going out for walks. And if I was to prioritise anything, if like, if nothing else in the world was important, like paying your bills, I would love to go out on a three hour walk every day. However, I think over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a lot of work to do. Um, so... I'm trying to figure out how I can still get everything done. because so I don't want to really sacrifice going out for me walks and doing bits of exercise. So just trying to plan ahead now for that. And that is it really. Um, yeah, but good. Everything's good. Everything's going well. So happy days. Happy days. So then, as I mentioned at the start, we have a special guest on today. So I'm just going to invite Kelly into the room.
Hello, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Connecting to audio. Oh, there we go. <laughs> now, Kelly, Kelly probably needs to come with a warning for anyone listening because she is really loud. So, you know, be careful of how loud you buy earphones if you're listening to this, if you're going for a walk or anything like that. I just get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, Kelly? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm talking to humans. <laughs> Great. Oh, Kelly, you need to you need to update that thing in the background there. That is all oh, the best. Don't, I know. I looked at it yesterday and I was like, I need to put like your due date is June, but I I, I couldn't be bothered to get up and change it. <laughs> what is your due date in June? Uh, the second. Oh, it's that long, Kelly. It's ten <laughs> weeks today. Wow, well, <laughs> that'll come out hey, super fast. Congratulations, Kelly. Thank you. That's awesome. I've just so been... Kelly, all three, all three of us know you pretty well, oh, yeah. or very well. We've worked with you in some capacity since 2013, uh, 2014. Uh, so, so we've been friends for a while. Um, you know, we've worked together. We've been on nights out together. Um, <laughs> you know, all sorts of memories there. The reason we got you on the podcast today. You know, we you're a you're a GB athlete. You're someone who takes their training really seriously, and you're also now pregnant. So I think before we get into all that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background then and your kind of history with exercise and the sort of things you've done and what you've achieved? Um, I I started gymnastics when I was five, um, and did it all the way up to probably about twenty one. I retired for a little, a year in between, and then I went back because I was bored. Um, and then I started, then exercise-wise, when I left gymnastics, I kind of felt a bit lost. I didn't really have any goals. I didn't really have any competitions to prepare for. So I just used to go running. <laughs> thought that would keep me slim. Um, didn't want to pay for a gym membership either because I thought the gym was boring. Um, which is quite ironic because I love it now. Um, and then I think when I went to Durham University, um, I started a strength and conditioning internship and had to learn how to do a bit of weightlifting, snatch, clean and jerk, just for to be able to teach the technique. And then that's when we had a workshop at Durham Um at the end of like the semester, if you like, the university semester. And it was Dave Sawyer, the GB weightlifting coach that came. And it was just after the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, I think it was in 2014. Is that right? Yeah, I think. And uh, he'd just come back from there. And then he kind of like said to me, you should try a competition. Um, and I was like, oh, to be honest, I wasn't really that bothered. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I remember the first time I put a barbell on my back to do a back squat and I just thought, this is so heavy. And it was an empty 20 kilo bar and I was mortified. I was like, this is so uncomfortable. How can anyone like this? <laughs> and then and then little John at Durham University taught me how to do lifting like with a stick and with a training bar of five kilos, um, just teaching me the positions. Then Dave came along, said I should try a competition. John encouraged me, and then so did my mum. 
<laughs> and then um, to, I think that was around August time. And then Dave helped me out with the programme and October 2014, I did my first competition. Um, Dave was late, as usual, sat nav issues. Um, and some other coach helped me, which happened to be Eddie, who is... Um, who also has like a very good uh, has had very good lifters in the past and is like the organizer of GB weight of uh, GB weightlifting like competitions um, of the British weightlifting comps and then Dave came in and started putting the weight up on the bar um, and my mum was sat in the audience she was fuming <laughs> she was like she can't lift all that no stop him she nearly she was nearly tempted to come around the back of the curtain and like say and stop putting the weight up on the bar <laughs> but um I think I made about I can't remember how many lifts I actually succeeded on in my first competition I think it was either four or six which obviously six is the match you can get because you get three of each um and then after that I won it so I made me like I'd enjoyed the training process because it kind of links a little bit with gymnastics about um trying to perfect a skill and I think that's what hooked me first because that's what I always missed about the gym environment and things like that from an early age I've always been ch like chasing perfection with gymnastics skills so I think with weightlifting that was the thing that got me <clears throat> got me first really I was like chasing perfection of a skill. So, and then after that, it was about six months later. Um, in, in that competition, I qualified for the English and the British in the 53 kilo category, it was then. And then after that, we I, it got suggested to drop down to the 48 kilo class because I weighed in pretty light. I don't know what happened. Joe, you were helping me with my nutrition at that point and we were upping my carbs and I just kept losing weight that last week. It was just dropping off me, probably nerves. I weighed in at 50.8. Um, so we dropped down to the next weight class, did another competition, dieted over Christmas. Ew. Um, and uh, I, again, qualified for the English and the British. So six months later, um, after training for a while, um, on Dave's program, um, I it was suggested to try for the next Commonwealth Games as a as like a three and a half year sort of like planned target. So and and then just kept and once I've got a goal in my head, like that's it really. It was just like right, I need to chase mm -hmm. Hannah Powell's numbers because at the at that time she was um, she just changed over to lift for Wales. But she was like the top 48 in, in the 48 category. So I always had someone to chase, which was quite nice. Um, and some numbers to look up to. Um, and so, yeah, so I just kept chasing for three and a half years. <laughs> awesome. So where's weightlifting took you? And you've been to a few places with weightlifting, haven't you now? Yeah. So first international was the Commonwealth Games, which... Really, I would have liked to do another one before that because it was very scary. <laughs> um, I wasn't scared at first, but then the cameras and everything, I just wasn't prepared for cameras. I'd done like competitions. The crowd, I don't think, worried me that much, but it, it was literally the cameras being so close to my face. And I was like, whoa, no one prepared me for them. Um, so that was in Australia. 
2018. And then since then, I've been to some random places um, that I've never even heard of. I've been to Ashgabat. Um, can't remember where the world, where the Europeans was. Um, there was one in between, and then I went to Thailand, which was awesome. Um, and then just before lockdown, I was meant to be in the Europeans. It was due in, it was April 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but that was in Russia. So, yeah. So quite exciting. You've had an awesome journey. Oh, um, I've been to Sweden as well on a training camp. That was really cool. Nice. It's funny, you know, Kelly, when you talk about like how you started out and that you felt like a 20 kilo bar was heavy on your back because I know how much you can lift now, how much you can front and back squat. And like just for people listening, you are what, five foot? Four foot 11. Four foot 11 and you compete at 48 kilos and it's just an absolute, it's crazy how much you can actually lift. It's unbelievable. Actually, when I got measured in, in the, um, with the midwife, I'm, I've lost half a centimetre. What is that all about? I was a, I was 150 centimetres. Yeah. Now I'm 149.5. I was like, what? <laughs> so maybe it's the weights that have like lost me half a centimetre. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so Kelly then, you were like from seeing you train and everything, like working with you for a long time, you're, you took your training really seriously. And obviously when you, when you competed at an elite level, You've got to, haven't you? You've got to train. You've got to put a lot of time into it. How often were you in the gym? How much training were you doing? You know, and like, how's that? How's that maybe changed for you now with being pregnant? So I've done, I'm normally in the gym five days a week. Um, I've been through a training program of doing Monday double days and Friday double days as well. Um, so that. It's still five days a week, but on those days I trained twice. There was a process through that, but then we we dropped them down to like five uh, normal one training session a day. Um, each training session is like two hours minimum. That's including my warm up. Um, two hours minimum, three hours maximum. So you're talking what seven sessions a week there? two hours or at least 14 hours of training. Yeah, I think when I worked it out, um, when I was calculating how many hours I do um, to work my schedules out and stuff being a PT, I think I worked out averagely, I'd just put 15 hours a week of training. Yeah. So how, how Pretty, much of that Kelly was um, based versus kind of physical based? You know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't know what you mean. It was all physical. <laughs> Was it, so you kind of just do, so you just do the same, like you never split it down to skill based where it was a bit lighter load or anything like that? Oh yeah. So my training's block, um, Cyril does my training programs, um, Cyril Martin, and it's block periodization. So you go through sort of like eight to 10 week cycles. Sometimes it could be a little bit longer if you've got like a, a longer time between competitions and you've got like a bit of a bit of time to spend on like a strength block. Mm -hmm. Obviously, being in the little weight category, I've never done much hypertrophy work. The most I've ever done in squats is like reps of eight. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it'll start off around 70 percent 
And then each week, the percentage will go up and the reps and the sets will go up or down, depending on like the manipulation of the periodization training. So you will have lighter weeks, like deloads, but it doesn't feel like a deload because you're still fatigued. <laughs> so train, training through fatigue and peaking out on the other side, like the only days that you ever really, really get, um, like a lot of rest and stuff is probably that week before competition where you're starting to deload. Um, there's no pulls, there's some, the volume just isn't as much, the intensity is still up there, but yeah. then that's starting to come down as well in that last week. Um, and then obviously a day of rest before competition. Yay. <laughs> to give nice. you an idea, Kelly, what kind of percentages are you looking at when you go to a deload? Like what's the lowest percentage from your one RM would you go to? Um, so it depends where you are. Like the deload necessarily isn't percentage. So you might stay at, say like you've done three weeks or four weeks of like loading up. Um, in volume and intensity and then that fifth that fourth or fifth week of your deload could be the same intensity like still sticking around 80 to 85 percent but you don't um you don't uh, you, the only thing you do drop is the volume so the amount of reps and sets so say if like you know a really high intensity week would be like seven sets of three on like 80 percent or 80 up to 85% and then the next week you could have like four sets of three so it's not really that it's not really that much of a deload <laughs> literally just constantly lifting heavy then aren't you it is just like you say the reps and sets that go down on the deload but you are always lifting at a heavy percentage like 80% yeah you have to be because if you're not in 80% you're not in strength you're not you're not gaining any strength that's what Says. Um, <laughs> but yeah, eight, eight, from 80% is your, your max strength training ranges. And from below that is just building yourself back up to it when you've come out of a competition, um, when you start around 70. And then, then you're pushing up to maxes. I mean, I've done a program where we do drop sets and it's a bit like, um, I think it's, I can't remember if it's skewed or pyramid like style loading. Um, and it's, it's quite intense. So you do like, you, you go up for like so many heavy singles around 90% and then drop back down and do like three doubles on 80%. And then you move on to the next skill and do the same. <laughs> Sounds disgusting. <laughs> well, what I'm interested to know before we go into your actual pregnancy Obviously, as an athlete, you do put your body through quite an intense regime and that just comes with the job. Mm. You feel like, obviously, when you and Danny decided to try and have a baby, is it something that entered your head that you needed to kind of pull back a little bit or did you not? Like, what was kind of your thought process around trying for a baby? Yeah, so I know, I know that in when you're trying for a baby, it's not going to be any good if you're in a, um, a calorie deficit situation. And I'm always constantly watching like my nutrition and trying to maintain like a, a body weight that's suitable. And you guys know how hard it is for me because <laughs> I easily put 
like a bit of like chunk on <laughs> in training um but um but yeah so I think psychologically I just I stopped tracking and stopped doing everything and just ate not not I wouldn't say more normal because I don't like there's no normal way of eating it's different for everybody but I would say I just I knew how strict I'd been in the past and I just said, right, I'm going to have, um, I'm just going to go back to the way probably I used to eat when I was like 18 and just have like, um, just more treats in the day and things like that. And just, but it not, not be aware of it as much, as much, just try and relax around food because if I, I knew if my body wasn't able to have a bit more fat in it, it wouldn't think it could grow a baby. That was my thoughts anyway. And I also have a friend who um, is a weightlifter who I've spoke to and she um, she also said to me that she she didn't get pregnant until she went up to like a, like a higher calorie intake in the day and relaxed and wasn't in a calorie deficit. So... Mm. I yeah. let I you Nina you got me down to like a training weight of 52.5 for just before Wales um which was just before lockdown and uh I after that I let myself go up to about 55 kilos because I think naturally I probably sit at 55 kilos without dieting without tracking nothing I would say that's probably just the weight that I so I let myself go to 55 and just stayed there. Yeah, sounds sensible. And what about the training side of things? Did that mm. adapt or did you not feel like it had to with you obviously carrying a little bit more fat? Um, I, it doesn't really bother me. It, like, it was fine. I was training in my garage, which was awkward anyway. Like, things were too close to my face. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think... The weight-wise, it didn't really affect me, but also I had a little bit of a hip a hip impingement at the time. So um, I just, I wasn't doing everything that I could possibly do, but I didn't take my intensity down or anything like that. I just, um, I did with injury, but I still trained like five days a week and stuff in my garage. Yeah, it's, I, the reason I'm asking that point is because I think a lot of women, when they are, trying for a baby or it, when they get pregnant they kind of um sometimes get wrapped in cotton wool a little bit and as much as just to for everybody listening like if you are advised by your doctor to not train then absolutely like in terms of whether you're trying for a baby or you are newly pregnant then absolutely follow that advice but I think some women even without that advice kind of think they can't do anything so it's just the reason I asked that is because I know you trained even when you were trying for a baby, even when you were in your first trimester, you trained. Um, so I think it's just it's important to point out that, you know, exercise can have a positive impact. But obviously, it, it does have to come with um, advice from doctors and midwives and things like that. I understand that. Yeah, I um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I think I was a little bit nervous. But then I was like, well, I still feel fine. But 
my energy levels were really affected in the first trimester and like just doing some split squats was like absolutely getting me out of breath and like going up the stairs just energy levels like plummeted quite a lot so I did because of that say like normally when I'm in the gym I do like four skills and that's including squats um, and maybe one accessory thing um, I was because of my energy I was dropping it down to like two skills I was still front squatting um in the first trimester because obviously that's advised to stop because of the um pressure on your stomach so I was I still did front squats in the first trimester but after that I was um I took them out after the first one and then in second trimester I was just back squatting um and I stopped it, it dependent on anybody but like because you see crossfitters and they're still turning over lifts and stuff in in um second trimester third trimester whatever but I chose to stop snatching first because I could feel it brushing on my tummy a bit and I was like oh don't know if that's any good <laughs> um cleans were okay because they hit on my hip and didn't touch my stomach and then I did um and then I did I stopped cleaning after the first trimester as well. So, but it was just personal preference, I think. Yeah. Kelly's given us the two minute signal. She needs to go somewhere just for people. Right, cool. Uh, I think it was a, a, a good point about the, the cold kind of calorie intake. Um, energy availability is very important um, in terms of athletes all athletes really, um, but probably especially female athletes and a lot of people go, are so worried about chasing aesthetic goals. Sometimes it comes at a cost, right? Anyone? Nina, probably. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's like, it, I know if I was trying for a baby, like aesthetics would go out the window and I'd just not care. Um, but I think a lot of people continue to care about that and it's just you, you know there's a sacrifice to be made with everything and I think um, aesthetics is number one to go out the window when you're going to try for something so big as a baby. Well I think I think as well when and I think maybe this is what Steve was alluding to but I can't I'm not sure but when you do when you are chasing aesthetics in particular and you're looking to as a female get your body fat to a point where it's incredibly low like below what most people consider like lean like instagram lean you you can also run the risk of it affecting your menstrual cycle and your ability to to get pregnant as well can't you i don't know if that's what you were alluding at there or not steve that's where i took from what you were saying well i mean there's that but even if you're not trying to get pregnant i guess it's not very healthy um no and some people for for performance goals as well like a, a weight-based sport like weightlifting um, swimming, gymnastics, there's all sorts of things where people want to be a lower weight um, and there's probably dangers associated with, for some people, going that low is, is kind of what I'm saying for their health long term. Yeah, so I've, I've been through that um, and sort of like when I have been in competitions when I've been on a contraceptive pill and then in competitions where I haven't been controlled by a contraceptive pill. Mm -hmm. um, 
and to be honest, the majority of the time I've not been on a contraceptive pill within competition, like of my small competition, like a lifespan, if you like, um, with weightlifting and making weight. <clears throat> um, and the the scary thing about going down to 48, 49 kilos is that sometimes I would come on a cycle, like about, it could be immediately the day after making weight, um, after the competition, or it could be um, a couple of days after um, making weight. And that was even if I'd had a cycle and it wasn't due to happen. Um, and then I did a little bit of reading, obviously saying that this isn't 100% accurate, but I did do a little bit of research and reading. And it was, it was the body's way of um, restarting. So if you go so low that you lose all your periods, then um, your body sort of like shuts down, says, I can't make a baby. I'm not heavy enough to create a life. Mm. Um, and then, so I have been, I have had quite a few talks with my partner, Danny, about making weight and how it'll affect me long-term. Um, so that has been a little bit of a worry because I have been in situations where I did it, I was in and out of a hot bath um didn't make weight had a really traumatic experience and the very next day I came on my cycle even though I'd had one like two weeks before that and it wasn't you know and it was really really hard and I just thought what am I doing to my body <laughs> yeah I can imagine that um I think it's it's very prevalent in athletes isn't it that um you know a lot of females do end up losing the period and sometimes it's like it's not even um obviously you can't almost expect it like you, a lot of females don't realize that this is a risk and what could happen and it can be through training load like absolutely like I mean some athletes I know a swimmer who her training regime was like horrendous and she ended up losing her period um even though she was what she felt like was eating enough for her for her energy levels it just wasn't she couldn't get the food in in comparison to her training so she was always lean and even though she didn't really need a weight category or anything like that she just struggled with the amount of training volume and the amount of food she had to eat to compensate for that and she lost her period and it's so it is just it's so common so mm. I can, and, and on an aesthetic level like you said Steve I think this happens to women even if they're not athletes because they're chasing that like Joe said that level of leanness where like you can see abs all the time and you know it does have an effect mm. yeah there's there's quite a lot of weightlifters um <laughs> especially the females well yeah the females say it the most in in sort of like the GB like team and you, if you look randomly you'll see like a competition post of like us with abs or looking really like lean I mean, I look like I'm going to disappear when I turn sideways when I'm at body weight. <laughs> um, but there were, everyone says abs are overrated. It's not worth it at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. And like, I've, I've obviously been there like a little bit nowhere near as much as, as you um, when I've competed a couple of times and I've got my body to the level of leanness to have abs to step on stage or whatever. And I never, I've always had quite a healthy period. I feel like I've been very, very lucky. Um, but my cycle definitely changed um, in that it was like it was barely anything like compared to what it is when it's in its normal 
um, I, I got to a point where it was really, really light. Um, and I think if I'd have kept going past, like if I'd have tried to maintain my lean physique, I would have lost my period. I, I can pretty much guarantee that would have happened. Mm. Mm. I guess the, the overall message we're trying to convey is for some people, it's not worth like you've got to be careful what your goal is and your expectations are because some people genetically can be lean. Some people are genetically lean all the time. Yes, they do eat a certain way and they train a certain way, but they're still genetically predisposed to, to be that way. And it's not as big a, an effort. And sorry for saying this, like, yeah, you train hard and all that. Well done. But some people, it's just not worth the sacrifices they'd have to make to, to get there. Um, and in their life as well, they have a different life as, uh, as well. Um, so yeah, moving on though. Um, what trimester are you in now, Kelly? Three. Third, yeah. Third. So how's your, your training changed over the time? Um, it's a little bit harder because I've got less access to the gym. Um, but I'm going to work today. So, and I'm, I'm when I lecture, I'm allowed to um, do a little bit. So there's some weight machines. So I'm dead excited. I've never been so excited to go on like a leg curl. <laughs> <laughs> I hate machines. Um, give me a barbell any day. But um, I've been, I've been doing like some home workout stuff, just body weight. Um, and then I have done again a bit of reading because I do want to come out the other side and get back into training, um, into weightlifting potentially. Um, so you know, reading about the different hormones in my body, um, isometrics are really good for me. So found a cute, cool little like workout thing where on, on YouTube, where you exercise for like 40 seconds and then you rest for 15. Um, and obviously like everyone's got different equipment at home. And just with my experience of being like a personal trainer as well, I just sometimes use the timer and somebody in front of me doing an exercise and I just do my own exercises <laughs> so um loads of like body weight things split squats squats lunges um and then I've got a glute band I've got some little um I don't even know what you call them them bands you've got with the handles so I do loads like she does an upper body day and a lower body day 30 minutes um but I just I just do that at the moment and then a little bit of weights when I can are there any things that you're that you that you need to avoid when you're pregnant, Kelly? That you found any sort um, of exercise, lifts any any way of doing exercises that you should probably avoid? Yeah, so exercises laid on your back, avoid those. Um, um, when you're getting into second trimester, not too much pressure on your stomach muscles. So obviously, like front squats, that's why I took those out, um, and then ab exercises as well because like it's a different you, you just can't use your abs I've never been in a situation where I can't use my abs to sit up it's so awkward but like I, I just can't describe it like there's just no no abdominal muscles to use it's like I'm like a brick <laughs> so is it like when a female tries to tense her chest and we just can't, there's like no mind to muscle connection at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, that tech thing, but girls can't. 
yeah yeah I just yeah it just it doesn't work like as soon as you get a certain as soon as you get into that second trimester abs just don't work anymore <laughs> so like ab exercises are probably um but I have done a few that are sort of like facing the floor sort of like in a press like holding a press-up shape or doing some shoulder taps with um in a press-up shape but obviously just making them less intense so like hands up on the sofa or on a step um just because you don't want to put too much pressure on your um on your abdominals at all um so yeah and then they say I did read something not to do like overhead stuff um, because obviously I'm assuming that's because your posture changes, you get a little bit of like rounded shoulders and arch back posture going on. And if you do them standing, it'll maybe give you a bad lower back and put too much pressure in your a lower back. Um, so I do them seated. I think it's um, blood pressure as well, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Blood pressure, avoid hip training, but I, I don't do HIIT training anyway. <laughs> um, the overhead pressing, I think it's something to do with. Um, yeah, yeah. But then there was one um, for like runners and things like that to watch your heart rate. Um, I found a journal that gave like from the UKSCA that gave you good guidance on like um, heart rate monitoring during sort of like cardiovascular and HIIT training. And then the um strength side of things around sort of like what percentage to kind of stick to or go down to which was quite nice for me because I obviously know my one rep one rep maxes so it was quite easy to calculate and go right okay well I'm squatting 60 kilos then see how that goes and just leaving I think leaving a bit of room in the tank to not put too much pressure on um which is quite challenging for me because you know how hard I work in the gym uh, and I like working hard so it was just making sure that like when I when I do do some squats and things I can I, I feel as though I've got like two or three extra reps in me and I'm not really straining my body and uh, bracing too much because that would that would that was quite um a scary thing when looking it says like I've done my pre and postnatal and it says to be wary of bracing um because you put too much pressure on your abdomen but for me I brace all the time when I'm lifting and when I'm squatting so I think for me that was quite scary I was like oh my god well how much is too much like I don't I don't know mm -hmm. so that's the way I approached it myself just make sure that I've got two or three extra reps in me um and I'm not, I'm not absolutely gassing. I also learned to brace, like you guys will understand this when you're squatting, you brace like around where like the, the middle of your stomach sort of feeling. Whereas I learned to brace like a little bit higher. So I would, I would pull in a little bit more at the top of my abdominals rather than the bottom because I couldn't feel them. <laughs> so yeah, so I felt like there'd be less pressure by by really zoning in on how I felt when I was bracing and I just braced a little bit higher and it felt more comfortable and it didn't feel like I was stressing my body too much. Ah. Interesting. Cool. I've, I've got a question actually for you, Kelly. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just an, an innate thing and you kind of 
have a, a bit of acceptance because you're you know you're doing something amazing so you kind of accept it but have you have you struggled at all with not training as much have you had to do anything mindset wise or think about it differently if that makes sense um I think some do you know what I think I've struggled it would have been different if it wasn't for lockdown I think I think I would have been it would have been a an easier judgment to make whether that will affect me or not mm. because I, I do feel like I've had some really really down days and I know I'm like in general life if I don't exercise in you know if I, I when I was uh, like an older teenager or in my 20s um, if I didn't exercise for a while I used to feel really sad and then I used to go for a run and then I'm like oh I feel better now that was why um, so I think I am a bit addicted to exercise <laughs> um, but yeah it has been hard but then as soon as I've got like a like a home workout YouTube thing on or something like that I do feel loads better about just just in myself the uh definitely the endorphins are uh, are a real thing for me <laughs> mm. um so and they massively affect me so I don't I think I have been affected but I think lockdown has made it worse yeah um okay. and you know I, I do just like I you know I coach my weightlifters online and sometimes when I'm doing the videos I'm like oh I just wish I could lift a bar <laughs> And I get dead jealous that they're doing weightlifting. <laughs> I can't wait to get back in the gym and turn a lift over. <laughs> and well, you kind of brought me on to the question I had in my head. So post-pregnancy, when baby is here, what is your what is your plan? So I've got some little goals set in my head. Um, first one is I did do a bit of um I listened to a, a really good webinar. Um, with physios like some really top physios and they were saying that elastin lasts in your body for six months after pregnancy mm. so um, definitely some form of like bodybuilding training will be the first thing that I'll be attacking and some isometric work um, just to stabilize my joints to prepare me to go mm. back to weightlifting so uh, two of the girls that I've been kind of following on Instagram um, that I have competed against both of them one in one was in Australia in the Commonwealth and one was uh, one is um, in England and they've both returned back to the gym after four weeks so I'm hoping that that's a goal so four weeks after having my baby I want to be back in the gym um, start off with some bodybuilding stuff I'll probably get excited and try a snatch or a clean jerk <laughs> Um, but just as a like a play um, and then working on isometrics like overhead squat and just sit at the bottom so that'll be a strange horrible situation for me just to keep my shoulders um, strong because I've uh, quite a few issues with my shoulders um, and then the, the aim is to try and compete um, before Christmas um, I would like to breastfeed. So 49 kilos is out of the question for that competition. <laughs> um, I'll be competing in the 55 class because um, obviously I can't wait cut um, when I'm breastfeeding. I, I don't plan to. Um, and then see where I am at that six, at that sort of like um, before Christmas time and see how my competition goes. 
if I manage to get back in the gym in time. Um, and then qualification for the Commonwealth Games. There's no like, there's no rules on qualification where you have to do a certain amount of competitions. You just have to be the best in your weight category by, I think it's February 14th or February 12th or something like that. Basically, it's the British Championships that'll be in February. So, um, so yeah, so that that's my aim to, to breastfeed for six months and then stop and then do a weight cut if I feel like I'm on target. If I'm not on target, I'm just not going to continue pushing my body to that extreme because I know that I'm going to have to work really hard because I don't have much time yeah but if I have a c-section it's game over <laughs> because the the recovery time from a c-section would just be too long I just wouldn't mm. have enough time to get myself back up to full fitness by by February like I'm going to be have to I'm going to have to be lifting my best numbers because there's still girls in my weight class that are like they haven't they haven't beat me yet but they're really close so mm. like in February it's going to have to be back to normal numbers that I was before I became pregnant and hitting PBs so or, or not at all. And I think I'll make probably make that judgment at Christmas time and just to have a little chat with my coach, like a sensible, is this worth all my effort and time? Because it's a lot. I'll have to ask my mum to come and babysit like for two hours a day, every like five days a week and things like that. So it's a, it's a big commitment. Um, so I think if I've got my targets and I'm sensible, then I'll, I'll, I'll see how it goes. I don't want to say like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. I think those words in my head will just make me do it. So I'm, I'm well aware that like, I'm saying like, this is the plan. This is the idea. Because if I set it as a definite goal, I'll just go like all guns out blazing, like I'll attack. <laughs> I was going to, I was just going to ask, because um, obviously... <laughs> be some new mums hopefully listening and they might be thinking you've got no chance you're going to be tired you're going to have all your time kind of committed to the to the baby but I was gonna I was just gonna ask like have you got a plan in place for that kind of thing so obviously you got your mum two hours a day yeah what, what well, it, sleep deprivation yeah I've never experienced sleep deprivation <laughs> so <laughs> normally when I'm tired I just sleep <laughs> Um, so I, I don't, this is why it all just has to be an idea, um, because I've got no idea. Like, you never know. I might have an amazing baby that just sleeps like really well. (laughs) Just wish me luck on that one. (laughs) I sleep really well. Like I'm a really, really good sleeper. There's, I I did watch a, a webinar, um, the other day on sleeping and in pregnancy. I haven't got one of these pillows yet. I don't need one. I still sleep like a log. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not in any like discomfort when I'm asleep. Um, I have got like um, we we bought a new mattresses before I knew I was pregnant, just so it's really new with springs and memory foam. But I've also got like a a, a Levitex pillow, um, which is a memory foamy pillow thing that 
supposed to be really, really good. And I think it is. Um, maybe that's helping me sleep better. But I don't know. Like, I still sleep really, really well at the moment. So I'm just hoping my baby does. <laughs> yeah, hopefully baby takes after mommy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tire them out on purpose. <laughs> like, right, you've got one hour awake. Let's do as much as we can. <laughs> Get it a little mini barbell, exhaust it out. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> awesome. Um, anyone got any more questions for Kelly? No, I think we've been pretty thorough. I think so. Yeah, I've covered everything, I think. Anything you want to add, Kelly, at all or not? Um, I think I think due to the lack of research around pregnancy and training, um it it's not it's not out there for you to just find easily. Um and it's it's so encouraged to do exercise now all the midwives encourage you to do exercise um so what i would say is just just do what you feel your body can do um especially like i'm quite small and i think the the reason for like having lower abdominal pain through the first trimester and a little bit ongoing throughout the whole process was a little bit scary for me. So like if I was sat on the sofa or laid in bed, not when I was training, um, if I like stretched my legs out too quick, I'd get lower abdominal pain, like really like, oh, what's that? And uh, it was really scary. Um, and I think things like that can maybe make you a bit more nervous about doing exercise. And I think if you just do things that you know are comfortable for you to do, if you already exercise, continue. If you don't do any exercise, um, I would say just start off with gentle, um, gentle exercise and really low impact um, things to do, like walking, but go for a speed walk instead. Yeah. Um, but even sometimes then on a speed walk, I can sometimes feel my tummy like pull a little bit. Still now, I felt yesterday on a dog walk. Um, so, you know, just slow down when you feel stuff like that. It's, it's not, it's just, it, it's you grow, you're growing. The, the womb is growing with the lower abdominal pains, I've been told. Um, and because my, my abdominals are quite tight, um, it, they're having to stretch probably a little bit more because um, they're quite tight anyway. So, but yeah, and because I'm little, but yeah, just just exercise to where you feel is more comfortable for you, but do something. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like you write about the research, it's the same with um, the, the, the female cycle as well. And the, re the reason the research isn't out there isn't anything to do with, um, you know, that they don't want to fund it or anything like that. It is purely because women are so hard to study because we are so different from one female to another. So they can't get any like concurrent like evidence to support anything because every female is so different. So it, I think that's the best advice you can give. Like you've just said, Kelly, is that, you know, it's going to be based on you as an individual and how you feel. Obviously, there's the like the very baseline things that you're, 
that you can do to avoid any kind of danger like you say laying on your back overhead pressing as uh, as you get later into your pregnancy but otherwise it is going to be person dependent which is why it's so hard to give advice for for people in general for training yeah because I think sometimes in in you know our our world now where we read everything on the internet sometimes people like I know I'm a very like straightforward person and if I read something I go okay and like do exactly like to the like you know cross the t's dot the i's and do it exactly how you say whereas I think I think yeah just just have a bit of um individuality so treat that as like that's the baseline and I'll just use that as an idea but I'm gonna base it on how my body feels and and how I'm reacting like obviously to do with morning sickness I've been sick twice I was really lucky but the days that I woke up and I was really nauseous I did go through a really really bad period of nausea and I had a day where I just couldn't move off the sofa because I just thought I was going to throw up obviously on those days you just don't train (laughs) yeah I actually read a study the other day knowing like that this like we were kind of having you on and it said something about um how walking really helps with morning sickness even if you don't feel like it even if you feel like like you say you're going to be sick um actually getting out and about is supposed to help yeah well yeah fresh air did help me like because obviously we've got the dog so I'd go out in the garden and that would fresh air would definitely help me feel a little bit better um and the guidance of eating little and often um definitely definitely like I still get sickness now um like not sickness but if I don't eat regularly I'll feel sick and if I don't eat early enough on a morning like as in from waking up if I don't eat within the first half an hour I'll just have a really crap day because I'll just feel sick all day um because it's like my my, so that just continuous carb intake (laughs) (laughs) um is awesome (laughs) um and it's worked for me um there are tips and things that I've read like on all the baby apps that you can get it's like oh my god it's a different world um but yeah so the little and often definitely has worked for me and fresh air outside so yeah cool good stuff thanks for coming on Kelly hope you've enjoyed it yeah it's been fun I feel like I've been here all week (laughs) Kelly if anyone wants to find you on Instagram or anywhere how do they do that it's my full name Kelly Jo Robson I think oh no it's Kelly Jo Robson lift right isn't it (laughs) (laughs) it is lift right yes yeah it's Kelly Kelly Jo Robson lift right Oh, so I'm sure there'll be a little weightlifter picture there won't there if they're looking for the right person oh yeah it's me in my uh, I think it's my my British record snatch picture I don't take that one down love it <laughs> good stuff thanks for coming on Kelly um, right that wraps us up for today if you've enjoyed listening uh, give us a like give us a share tell your friends about it if you've got friends that are exercising and or and are thinking about being or getting pregnant or are pregnant then get them to tune in and give us a listen maybe they can fire some questions across to ourselves or Kelly too um, but other than that, thanks for joining us. And you can also find out about our 
next intake of Fortified Eight, which is our fat loss transformation program, which starts on the 12th of April. Just about remembered that. Um, if you're interested in getting fit, losing weight, that's going to start on the 12th of April and the early bird space prices are open now as well. So thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, fire them across on our social media channels, which you can find in the link on the podcast. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Kelly. Bye. 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 Thanks, Kelly. Bye.